when you really actually examine the reflexes that you have about America's place in the world and what America means, those reflexes are extraordinarily patriotic. They are, you know, your identity is very, very much attached to this idea that you are from a special place, that you are from a, a place that has a unique destiny, and that you are, you are different, and that you are good. This is the thing I really wanted to understand. Why is it so important for Americans to believe that they are good? On this episode of TCF World, we speak with Susie Hansen about her experience as an American abroad in a post-American world. This is Thanasi Kambanis in Istanbul. This is Thanasi Kambanis. Welcome to episode seven of TCF's World Podcast. I'm here in the Adahan Hotel in Istanbul with Susie Hansen. Uh, the author of a recent book, Notes on a Foreign Country and American Abroad in a Post-American World. Susie, thanks for agreeing to come on TCF World. Thank you for having me. Uh, so tell us for a minute uh, uh, who you are and what you're doing in Istanbul. Um, I am a journalist. I write for the New York Times Magazine and other publications. And I moved to Istanbul uh, 10 years ago on a journalism fellowship. The, uh, the organization is called the Institute of Current World Affairs. And um, when I decided to, to move here, when I decided to apply for the fellowship, I had basically never lived anywhere uh, outside of the United States. I had spent maybe three months in London. Um, and I decided to apply for this journalism fellowship, and I chose Turkey somewhat, somewhat randomly. And you, and you came here at a time, uh, as, as you write, and also as we've followed in your in your reporting you came here at a time when uh, the uh, sort of post 9/11 wars were at their peak where America was very engaged with the outside world but we were just on that tipping point between W Bush's America mm -hmm. and Obama's America and I think uh, people were starting to ask what what are we doing in these places um, and by the time your, your book has come out and we're sitting here talking mm -hmm. we're in the age of Trump when it's not clear whether we're turning our back on the world or trying to start nuclear wars instead of conventional wars. Right. Um, so, uh, what do you what do you mean by a post-American world? <laughs> the subtitles of books are are are, are thought of in, in marketing. So you didn't marketing make up. Means, yeah. you, you're disowning the subtitle. That's <laughs> no, no, fine. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm just I've disowned many subtitles in my life. <laughs> Marketing department has a lot to do that, but I think that what I meant by post-American world was uh, was two things. One, which is that it was talking about the fact that I had moved abroad in 2007, and it was the beginning of this period when people were starting to question America's role in the world. There was suddenly this trend of talking about America's decline, mm -hmm. which we hadn't talked about before. Um, and people were, there was this anxiety, whether it was true or not, it almost didn't matter. There is this now, this anxiety about America's decline. America's power in the world uh, sort of diminishing. And then I think also there is a very real development in those years, which was that um, in, within the think tank community, within the diplomatic community, within um, Washington, people started talking about a multipolar world. It was no longer an American world. Uh, it was no longer unipolar. It was no longer bipolar. It was multipolar. So I think that in, in the policy realm, it actually became a real thing. So I, I mean, I think about this a lot, uh, the, the question, I mean, American declinism, right? It's been, it's been around as a hypothesis 
for a long while. Um, and some people have been making the argument even since the end of the Cold mm-hmm. World that whatever happened after the fall of the Soviet Union, that we were, that we were inevitably going to end up at a point of a multipolar world um, and that America's sort of uh, superpower or hyperpower moment was, was just a sort of mm-hmm. an accidental blip. You know, I, I go back and forth on this. So I'm interested in how you land. Because on the one hand, we see all this evidence of things that are wrong in America and things that are very wrong with what America does to the rest of the world. Mm. And then on the other hand, we, we can look at history and see that at every period in the last hundred years, including the, the eras of expanding American power or well-being, those same awful things were also true then. Uh, so I was reading uh, uh, your book yesterday and I was asking that, this question, like, how can we tell the difference between America doing awful things in the world while being successful on America's terms versus America doing awful things in the world while also harming itself or, or going into eclipse? I mean, I think, look, the, the one thing is this book is very personal, right? So it is very much about sort of an evolution of thinking in, in the mind of one American. And it actually was the financial crisis that was almost bigger for me than September 11th or the invasion of Iraq and, and the, the sort of failures of the wars in Afghanistan and in Iraq. It just felt as if these were sort of massive failures, massive disappointments um, on, a, on a different level. And that was how I was interpreting it personally. I was sort of seeing, okay, um, the financial crisis has sort of shown to the world that American capitalism is farce, um, that it's a lot of hot air. And this idea that America could ever bring democracy to a foreign country, which I do think there was a period before the invasion of Iraq that a lot of people, including liberals, did believe that, right? Because we were just... People outside America as well as inside America. Yes, yes, yes. And then I think also September 11th, which, you know, there was always so much debate about how, how much did that day change everything. But to me, I think it really, it actually did change quite a bit because in the minds of a lot of Americans, all of a sudden they were vulnerable in a way that they had never perceived that before. And I think it did unleash a lot of um, anger and rage and, and insecurity and um, on the part of people who had assumed that they would always be the most powerful people in the world. And I think that what we're actually seeing with Trump is, and, and the people who voted for Trump is, is, is still a continuation of the reaction to that day of, wait a minute, are you, or have we lost some status in the world? And I think that the failures of the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan continued that as well. It was sort of like for people who really needed to believe and whose uh, identities were very much um, attached to this idea that we were the most powerful people in the world, these September 11th and then the fact that we were never able to really avenge that day, you know, in, in their minds, has been this great humiliation. Uh, I found myself reacting defensively while, while reading, even, I mean, things you wrote that I believe I agree with, right? <laughs> but I'm reading and you're, and you're, I mean, you're not finger wagging to the reader. You're talking about your own encounter with, with Turkey and the outside world. But you're, you're saying, I grew up thinking that like America's a great country and that we uh, really at our heart are about greatness and helping others and doing something that's really worthwhile. And then I got out there in the world and I saw that a lot of that was a lie. Um, and uh, and you connect it to Black Lives Matters. You connect it to a lot of a lot of things where a liberal narrative of orderly progression and idealism is really uh, is really just the, the the marketing copy for for a dark underbelly. And I and I found myself 
you know, reacting like, you know, yeah, okay, sure, but she, she can't be talking about me, right? She can't be talking about me when she says these people who go in there with these assumptions, but then I feel like you also are talking about me and it's true mm-hmm. because I still cling to the belief that uh, there are really good things uh, at the heart of what America is trying to do in the world, but I, but I don't see evidence. Like I, that's a feeling I have. It's a feeling. No, it's, <laughs> so this is this is the thing. This is because it, it's a very hard thing to to, to untangle, and I and I think that um, that I, I I struggled with how to really illustrate this in the book because I and you wouldn't think so from reading the book, but I would say I was a lefty by the time I left America and moved to Istanbul, but I'm still talking about these assumptions and these reflexes that I had. These were emotional reflexes, and this is what I'm trying, this is what I was trying to draw out, which is that I could cover up for these reflexes with my education by, or by knowing that this is not, you know, politically popular or politically correct thing to say, or that you know people will. I, I know that this is not an emotion that I should express. But when you really actually examine the reflexes that you have about America's place in the world and what America means, those reflexes are extraordinarily patriotic. They are, you know, your identity is very, very much attached to this idea that you are from a special place, that you are from a, a place that has a unique destiny and has, you know, uh, been a, and, and that you are you are different. And that you are good. This is the thing I really wanted to understand. Why is it so important for Americans to believe that they are good, that they have good intentions? Because you because you came into your 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 voyage thinking that, and and sort of quickly concluding that we are not good, right? Or, or, or that or that or we, even when we're, we think we're being good, we're we're harming others. Well, often we're not, of course, because because it's these are governments that are <laughs> that are wielding power over other governments. I mean, but the interesting thing is that. With the United States, there's a kind of uh, I, I don't I don't know if it, it I don't think that it happens you know within the realm of Turkish nationalism for example that there's this element of Turkish nationalism that you know that your goodness your inherent goodness <laughs> is 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 part of your identity but with America there really is that and the funny thing is, is what I found when I started reading was that foreign historians and foreign writers also wanted to believe this idea because very often. People would say, uh, writers would say things like, especially in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, things like, well, it's not that they had bad intentions. It's not that Kennedy had bad intentions. It's not that um, they, they had good intentions. They really believed that the United States could come into a foreign country and show them how to be more modern and, and, and help them develop uh, their industries or help them have a better education system. They really believed that the United States was uniquely capable of doing that, and they wanted to help but within this, this idea, it's sort of like, well, why did they ever think that um, it was their right to involve themselves in the uh, fate of another country? What's a, what's a progressive to do? Uh, <laughs> and, and, I mean, specifically, you talk about, like, uh, I mean, you clearly care about foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're not, I mean, it doesn't seem like you're saying... Americans should not pay attention to the world or not care, but you also say that like uh, the, the progressive narrative is really contradicted by like a very anti-progressive practice, mm-hmm. uh, whether we're aware of it or not. So yeah. what's, what's a progressive to do uh, vis-a-vis the world in the, the age of Trump, a progressive American, whether they're abroad or at home? I don't know. It's an interesting question because I, what the thing that I'm afraid of is that actually in reaction to Trump, that liberals and progressives will 
almost reassert their American exceptionalist ideas. Like, oh, well, we have to differentiate ourselves from Trump. We are not him. Um, America is special. I mean, I've heard a lot of American liberals express this extraordinary pain that America is... They didn't even realize they believed in American exceptionalism so strongly. You know what I mean? And that there will be this um, forceful uh, reassertion of American exceptionalism that then could have strange effects on the rest of the world in terms of foreign policy, whatever. Because, no, 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 our, the liberal idea of America is actually good as opposed to Trump, and so therefore we can um, interfere in other people's affairs again, and et cetera. So I, I, I worry about this a little bit. I think that there needs to be just a re-examination of American history uh, so that we can think about things differently. I don't know what the end point is going to be. I don't know what conclusion we're going to come to about who we are. But if we're not more honest about what has actually happened in our history, we're not going to be able to create a better version of ourselves. You're speaking to this desire, I mean, to stay connected to the world mm -hmm. and help it, right? So you're not like... I'm not saying you're, detached from Right, it. you're not like a clinical observer who's like out to dispassionately dissect like America, harm, presence, whatever. You're like, I want the country I'm from to take its progressive values and, and acknowledge its connection to the rest of the world for good and for ill, and then maybe to be better or be more honest. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it seems like the lesson, the lessons that are implicit in your mm -hmm. sort of revelation about about our complexity abroad is exactly the same revelation that we need to have about our complexity at home. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the problem is, is that the, the history and the reality that we have to face is so huge that it's hard to know what where we would end up after that. Um, but if one of the main things we're talking about is actually violence, right? We're talking about violence. I mean, we, here we, uh, we are... We, we believe in our inherent goodness on some level, but ultimately we don't really face on an emotional level, on a deep, deeper level, exactly how many people are dying according to, uh, because of American policies. And we're really not attached to that. We're not really in touch with that. We don't talk about it. Um, I mean, actual death. <laughs> That's a, um, and I think that there is, I think that what you hear with, uh, from movements like Black Lives Matter and from black activists and um, the history of African-American literature is the same thing. It's really actually talking about the violence. Well, so, and, but many progressives respond to this by saying, yes, we agree absolutely, and that's why we are also isolationist, right? They, they, th their answer is, you know, no war, no war in Iraq, no intervention, and in fact, let's withdraw as much as possible so that we're no longer guilty of, of harming the world. And, I, and I, I personally agree with that, but you know, here we enter into this very interesting territory where you have a situation where you know, for the last 70 years, America has been this enormous presence in the world, and a lot of the rest of the world has gotten used to that. So you have foreigners who would say, we just want you to get out of our affairs and leave us alone and we'll deal with it. You also have foreigners who will hear sometimes this kind of it's a weird. Feel. I mean, foreign governments rarely say "get out of our affairs." Actually, what they usually what they usually say is "stop doing the things we don't like, but do more do of the things we do like." Well, Buy our weapons, but don't <laughs> but don't tell us who to shoot with them. Right, right. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, but I'm talking about sort of average people. If you think about, like, I, I, you do hear sometimes. For example, in Turkey, I sometimes will hear Turks say, 
um, the United States doesn't use its leverage anymore against Erdogan, or um, they used to do that more often. Clinton did that more. I think that, that this is sort of more about this sense that there is a greater force in the world that can be used against your own leader, right? That there is some other force of good. But you would, everybody like actually, to, you'd only like to see that used for the things that you have. That you actually in, want, right? yeah. But I mean, I, I do just think what I'm saying is, is that we're, we're dealing with a very difficult problem of, uh, you know, if you have grown up believing that there is always some other nation that has a lot of power over your country, if that suddenly disappears, that also might feel strange or uncomfortable or scary or you know what I mean because of course inevitably what everybody is always saying is okay well so who's going to take America's place it will be China it will be but that doesn't necessarily mean that they that those foreigners want America to be wielding influence over their country it just is a it just is that it's strange. And you remind us it's not just something that happened with Trump's election, right? I mean, no, this, is, no. this is a process that's been underway for, for years. How, um, how similar did you end up finding Turkey to America uh, uh, as like a large country that often thinks of itself as sort of existing above and separate from the rest of the world, where like people don't feel like they need to learn foreign languages and where you know, headstrong leaders who really are, are preoccupied with the, their sense of national power. I, you know, now we call, um, we talk about nationalism in America. We didn't used to talk about nationalism in America before Trump. I don't think so. I don't think that that word was really ever used in sort of mainstream I think we, we've become a lot more honest I mean, with, <laughs> with, with, with white racism and white nationalism and, yeah. and, and these things that have forced at least liberals uh, or progressives to to come to a little more honest uh, language. About. Yeah, but I mean, you never would have heard the word, I mean, the word fascist was not used. The word na- I mean, I, I can remember moving to Turkey in 2007 and being so shocked that like the words nationalist, fascist, and communist were really, really kind of <laughs> common lingo. But, um, but I, the first time I realized that American patriotism was actually nationalism was through learning about Turkish nationalism. And I could see all of a sudden, and I really looked down on Turkish nationalism. I, I was fascinated by it, I loved learning about it, but I just couldn't believe that this country had come up with all of these myths about itself and had created an identity out of scratch, from scratch, and had, um, and, and was so, uh, so sort of rabid about its, the, the, the country and the importance of its country, and there was a kind of macho element to this nationalism, and I was, all caught up in sort of looking down on Turkish nationalism. And then over time, of course, I realized that there really was no, no difference, um, that, they, that they are very... But we tend to always think of um, our American processes as different from the rest of the world for some reason. And when you kind of um, see yourself as just another country <laughs> as, and, and you sort of see your own uh, historical processes like... Uh, the country that you're living in, all of a sudden the foreign country that you're studying, it is a humbling experience, I think. So I could I could see these similarities, but I do think America and Turkey are really, really different, actually. Um, well, after Trump won, I had Americans say, oh, well, now you understand, uh, now we understand what, what how the Turks must feel, that they have, you know, a leader Strong like Erdogan, yeah. And the Turks would say, oh, well, now you get your Erdogan. But, you know, to me, the election of Trump was so much more embarrassing than any election of Erdogan. <laughs> because Erdogan was a real politician, you know. I mean, this was someone 
who had been a politician. For right, Erdogan drifted into authoritarianism, but actually he yeah. like, he won his career as a politician honestly. At yeah, least he was the, the mayor of Istanbul, decades. and he cleaned up Istanbul, and he you know, and he had um, really uh, developed these amazing political networks throughout the country. I mean, he's so the American exceptionalism holds, <laughs> right? We can we can elect an autocratic despot from scratch for no reason. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, your book is called Notes on a Foreign Country, and the subtitle, which you're, you're ambivalent about, is in American <laughs> Abroad in, uh, in a Post-American World. Um, I think it's excellent. Um, and I think, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people I know started talking about it and reading it when it came out, and we were, we were talking about why it, why it is that this, your book seems to strike a chord right now and, and and part of the answer I think is that just that you're, you're talking about a question that's already on our minds right as you know like Trump brought it into relief but we were already having this ambivalence you know since really since the invasion of Iraq and it's been like germinating like if we're not the lone superpower but we're also not just a middle level nation we're a very powerful country that affects a lot of things but we're no longer a superpower that can just dictate what it wants what does that mean for the world and what does that mean for who we are uh and I, I think, I mean, I know I certainly wanted someone who shares my, you know, or appears to share my progressive mm-hmm. values to, like, ask that question. And I, I think that's, that's the, the chord you're, you're, you're striking. <laughs> well, Susie, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me. For more about Susie's work, you can Google her book title, Notes on a, on a Foreign Country, or you can go to her website, www.susiehanson.com. PCF World has been brought to you by the Century Foundation, a progressive public policy think tank that seeks to foster opportunity, reduce inequality, and promote security at home and abroad. For more information about Century's work, please visit tcf.org or follow us on Twitter 